Welcome back to the Reptiles with Podcast. So today we have a little bit of a hybrid episode. A couple months ago, we had Dylan on from the Animals at Home podcast, and that was through, you know, like a streaming thing, like Zoom-ish. Um, and today we have another one of those episodes where we're going to get to know Tino a little bit more as he talks with Richard, right, yep. from Tarantula Collective. Uh, it's going to be pretty much the bulk of this podcast. You guys are going to be able to hear more about Tino, about the stuff that he's into outside of reptile, some tarantula talk. You guys did do some conservation and reptile talk. Yep. Uh, wild cots, controversial issues, yep. all kinds of stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, your usual. favorite shit. Yeah. <laughs> <Our> usual. <laughs> uh, but... If you guys like these kinds of episodes, please let us know and we'll do more of them. We'll uh, talk with some people that are outside of Florida. We want to do more collabs. It's just obviously difficult when, you know, we are in one place and we really do like to do this live. But if we could do a little bit more of these hybrids, I think it's also good. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Podcast time! You're so disgusting. But on the topic of getting to know Tino a little bit better, Chuck's not here. Eric's here. <laughs> Say hello, Woo-hoo! Eric. Hello. Yeah, so Eric, uh, for those who don't know, is when whenever I say timestamp or whenever oh, I'm whenever wh- he does this, whenever I do this, <laughs> I'm talking to Eric. Eric is the guy doing That's the ones mean. and twos. He's working on the sound. He's you know writing down on the paper any notes that we have. Uh, but now he's in front of the camera because uh, Chuck's not here today. I'm replacing him today. He's his replacement. So you gotta start yelling and saying yeah. shit. Hi, I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> Which is true. That's not yeah, incorrect. He, it's, it's not a racism. He, he is the thing. I am. I can't prove it, but... Yep, yep, yep. So we are going to get to know Eric also a little bit better before we start talking uh, tarantulas. Eric has stories for us. I do have stories today. Let's do the uh, Crutchfield one uh, first. Ah, yes. Mr. Crutchfield. So the other day, we were unpacking a big shipment at work. And throughout the process... Um, can I name drop? Can you name drop yeah. who? Alex. Well, you, you just did. Oh, hi, Alex. <laughs> um, Alex was telling me, oh, someone's uh, offering some snakes, and it happened to be Crutchfield with some random stuff. I don't really remember what it was, um, but I just, just as a question, because I love the Puerto Rican boa. That is how I prove that I'm Puerto Rican. Um, <laughs> By owning a Puerto Rican I just asked him, does he have any Puerto Rican boas? And then Alex asked for me. Crutchfield says yes. Whoa. I get super excited. Hey. And I start immediately trying to see if I can have the money for that. Um, I did. Hey. So that was if the anything, first I'll invest big too, dub. Dude. Oh, my 100%. God. That's cool stuff, dude. So I'm super excited because it happens to be a female. Oh, nice. Yes. You only have the one female? Apparently. Apparently. It gets way that's better. That's fate, dude. It gets, yeah, it gets so much gets better. Amazing. Oh, fuck. I'm, I was like, hey, what's the price looking like? Uh, Six seventy five. Only seventy five dollars more than what I paid yeah, for my no, mail. Not bad at all. I'm happy. I'm excited. I get the pictures. Is it an adult? It's not an adult. Okay, that's okay. It is none other than. Is that a hypo? A Sanzinia. That is damn it, <laughs> so, bro. Let so, me tell you something. Uh, when I get the picture uh, of the Sanzinia, I thought he was fucking with me. Yeah. I thought he was just exploring he's other things that you could have bought. DMing you directly? No, he's DMing Alex, and then Alex is sending the picture to me. So there is a middle bit between this. So that's why I'm like, are you are you guys like playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like uh, he even dropped Yo, the say scientific. Psych right now. Say psych he, he right now. He dropped the scientific. He, he dropped the Latin, the incorrect Latin, but the Latin. Yeah. So he said Epicrates and Anatus, which is are correct if you're back in the 80s, but. He is old. He is old. Yeah. He saw all the 80s. He is Mr. Crossfield. The 1880s, the so 1780s. Mr. Crossfield. So a little bit of a background in between that. Yeah. Okay. So he asks. No, but for, I'm mad. There's no way. 
Wait, but uh, okay. is he stupid or he thinks Th- you're that's stupid? That's what I'm about to explain. <laughs> He's on some shit, dude. No, I'm, there's no, 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 no way. No, I'm about to explain. So there's some confusion. Okay. So in the process mm-hmm. of Alex asking for photos of the female uh, Puerto Rican boa, yeah. he just gets a litter of Sanzinia, which is getting posted everywhere. Oh. So when Alex so he goes, just assumed it was so, the yeah, because all of that stuff was going on. So he just gets a late night photo from Mr. Crutchfield of him holding a Sanzinia with a big oh smile. See, I didn't know this. I didn't know yeah. this. So does he have them or not? No, he obviously doesn't. I don't have know. Them. I don't know. But there was so much confusion, so much back and forth that I think everybody was just like, I think we just let it be. Bro. You know what? Like, I think I know what happened. Alex just doesn't know how to spell Puerto Rican. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> He's like, I think it's M A D A G A S K C A N. Madagascar. Defeat in my soul when I looked at that picture. I was actually Literally. standing right over there. Dude, that hype. That hype. It's like the the thing that I'm looking for. Finally, it's so rare. No one has them. Wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, the wrong that's number. Yeah. That is infuriating. I am so sorry. Yeah. yeah. So that happened. It's all right. Yeah. So sorry. I I I'm not very. I don't get excited. Super like. When I'm excited, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. It doesn't look like. It. Yeah, so I'm yeah, yeah. He's excited right now. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Bummer, dude. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Uh, now you have one more story before we yeah, get into tarantula time. talk. It actually has to do with tarantula. It does have to do with but, tarantula talk. So, I didn't give two shits about inverts at all. Sad. A little bit, yeah. Um, not that much though. You have, you keep a couple though. Yeah. Now. Oh, okay. I'm talking about before. Okay. I started working here as a service tarantulas. I have to work with this guy. Mm-hmm. He Who's this guy? Being, Tino? Uh, fucking yeah. Constantino Cano. Yeah, remember some people don't fucking watch the thing. They <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> stop driving. Get a f- get on your phone. Or no. your <laughs> Pull over to the side of the highway. I never do that. Um, if you do that, you're responsible. I respect you. Eric's over there, especially like, when uh, it's raining mom, outside. I'll be there for lunch. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. While I'm watching my videos. <laughs> anyway, I'm a safe driver. I swear. Um, I have to start servicing stuff, and over time, I start getting used to it, and it's like, oh, this is cool. And then we get some scorpions in. I fall in love with a desert hairy. I, I took one home. It's hairy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Hey. His name is Bentley. I love him. And then That's I got into name. that. I got into scorpions. And then since he's all about ooh, tarantulas and shit, we start getting into rabbit holes. And I start looking at this and that. And then we get more tarantulas at the shop. So then we start working with different types. And then I just, I, they're cool. They're not my favorite. They're still kind of like a subcategory, if anything. <laughs> okay. I, I do appreciate them. I, I, I do appreciate them a whole lot more than I used to. Um, I ended up getting some uh, Florida Barks. I keep forgetting the scientific name of it. Uh, St. Crazy Gracilis. It doesn't Gracilis. matter. It doesn't matter. It matters to me. <laughs> They're going to hear more of that later. <laughs> and then what ends up happening next is that we get some spiders. Um, they're little babies. And uh, me, you, and... Somebody. One of our, one of the people we know, took them, take them home because they're babies and they're, we don't know what they are. It's so like, oh, we're gonna raise them up and figure out what they are when they grow up. I remember this. They were sold to us as mystery cool spiders, one. and we were like, hey, what, what are these? What does this mean? And they were like, we don't know. They're a mystery. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Who gave them to you? Ask them. <laughs> and that is one of the biggest problems. It is a problem. It is. Anyway, we all take one home, and we're raising them, and we're always joking about who's gonna kill theirs first. And it, oh, it was almost me, many times. <laughs> But just recently, I was servicing it. It did the good old, you know, 
<laughs> bye bye. Just went. I was on the phone with you too. He was on. I the was phone. on the phone Wait, with you when the, it yeah, happened. It was him. It was. Yeah. I, I was on the phone with you after. No. Yes, no. after. Because I was, was there when it was happening. Yeah, I, I was I driving yes, and it was yes, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember now. I remember now. That whole situation was terrible because. Well, what the, wait, wait. What did he say? I so he's like, oh, I'm servicing my stuff. I'm servicing the tranks right now, and then I hear silence for like maybe <laughs> twenty seconds. I'm like, hey, you good? And then he's like, it moved. It's gone. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, I think I know where it is though. Se fue. And then gone. he's like, and then I hear like, it's in the chair. Or like, it's in the chair. <laughs> no, but dude, listen. I had this. Well, I still have it. I did put it back together. I have a really nice office chair. Um, and I had to take it apart. And there's so many moving parts to this. They make these chairs specifically for spiders to get lost in. Yep. yep because there's it's there's fabric over the wood of the bottom, so I had to cut the fabric out. But guess <laughs> guess what the guess what the wood is? What? It's got a million little holes in it. Oh man. And inside of the wood piece, inside the chair, it's it's the cushion. Yep. So this motherfucker could be anywhere. Anywhere in the chair. So I'm like, all right, well, my life is over. I'm going to lose this spider. I'm going to lose the bet. And I'm going to have a spider in my chair. Yep. Which I wasn't happy about. I, I didn't want to squish it, you know? Yeah. I also don't want to be surprised two years later with a big-ass spider. Not that I'm afraid of them. It's just mm-hmm. I don't like getting surprises. They could survive, too. If you've got oh, roaches or crickets would, yeah. getting loose. Yeah, 100% would. True, true, true. He 100% would have survived. Yeah. So I sit there for the next almost three hours putting this, this chair apart. And then... I, it was so funny the way it happened. I flipped the seat and I just knocked on it and said, hello, can you please come out? And guess what he did? He's like, he came out. Yep. So then I spent another three hours putting the, the chair together and that was the night right before Animal Con and I woke up in terrible shape. Yep. I yep. love spiders. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm glad. Fun now, stories. <laughs> before we transition into your talk with Richard, is yeah. there any like, is there anything that you would want to tell people that are listening that, not like so much like homework, but just like, want to explain something that you you think that you guys spoke about that people won't understand so if, if you're a part of our audience you hear us talk a lot about controversial issues especially surrounding conservation around wild caught and around uh individual reptile husbandry that same world if not more extensively exists in the invertebrate world because in in the in the reptile world you've got snake you got your major group snakes turtles lizards um and like I can't even think of another because those are like yeah. the general, all of them. You know, crocodilians, sure, whatever. Those are the general, all of them. Uh, in the insect world, the invertebrate world, it is a completely different ballgame. You've got beetles, you've got uh, moths, you've got cockroaches, uh, tarantulas, other kinds of arachnids. You've got a whole slew of, of, of other kinds of... Slew. Um, <laughs> a whole slew of other kinds of organisms and they have their own ethics surrounding their care. They have their own ethics surrounding of... Uh, of conservation of wild cots, those that whole ball game exists there. So if you're really interested in like the controversy and the the nitty gritty of what goes on behind the scenes of when you're buying an animal at a pet store from a breeder, I think this is going to be a, a pretty good talk for you guys because you get to see like, hey, it's not just reptiles. It, it, this exists in every single uh, aspect of captive animal husbandry. Rock and roll, let's do it. There's nothing better than the smell of coffee in the morning. Okay. There's also nothing better than the smell of reptiles in the morning. Psych. Reptiles with coffee. That's the smell you want. The strongest coffee, all right? We have it for you. Head on over to the description or go to coldbloodedcaffeine.com and use the code reptileswith to get your reptiles with coffee today.
My name is Richard. I'm from the Tarantula Collective. I make a lot of videos about tarantulas, scorpions, uh, and pretty much just any kind of uh, invertebrate out there. Yeah. Diving beetles you've got, isopods. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> isopods. Uh, I've got a few snakes. I've got some colubrids and a ball python. Exciting. And I've uh, kind of been, I'm not like into geckos as like I'm not breeding them or making videos about them or anything. I just always yeah. really like geckos. So I've, I've got uh, like a leopard gecko, a couple of leopard geckos and crested geckos and toke geckos and day geckos oh yeah dude that's scope stuff <laughs> but um i had actually we had met at uh animal con i had gone on to one of the panels uh thanks to dion and uh dion hit us with one of these questions and that's when i was like all right i gotta have Richard on the podcast um <laughs> he had asked he was like uh it was something relating to wild caught invertebrates how we take care of them anything extra we do the ethics surrounding them like the whole thing um mm -hmm. Obviously, when it was our turns, we gave our little soapboxes. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you wanted to like delve into a little bit. We touched like uh, T. Celadonia species, blue death fainting beetles, the whole thing. Basically, like, what are your what's your position versus on uh, wild caught inverts? Yeah, it's uh, I don't want to say controversial, but uh, when I mean I don't know how it is. In I mean, I kind of have a, a vague idea, but I'm not a reptile guy. I'm not I'm not in there on these conversations, so I don't know exactly how it works for you guys. But I know especially in the tarantula hobby, you know, cause there's, there's the invert hobby, uh, just kind of like you had the reptile hobby, but then it splinters off into a bunch of different sections. You got people that just deal with jumping spiders, people that just deal with tarantulas, uh, scorpion people, centipede people, you know what I mean? Like you don't really go yeah, too far outside of their, out of their realm. So it kind of differs depending on what group you're talking to and what species we're talking about. When it comes to tarantulas, almost all of the species are endangered, threatened, near threatened, or at least at risk of becoming, you know, one of those things pretty quickly. Yeah, they have mm -hmm. a, a a very long, I don't know if gestation period is the right word, because it feels like that's something for mammals. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time, especially for like North American tarantulas. Uh, you know, they, they live 20, 30 years, at least the females do. Mm -hmm. So it takes them a while to, you know, maybe a decade or at least a yeah. year before they hit sexual maturity. And then those babies, it's going to take a long time before they hit sexual maturity. So yep. you remove one you know, gravid female or, or even just a, a juvenile female out of the wild, like you're, you're decimating generations of that species that, you know, are no longer going to be thriving in that area. Yeah. They, are, they, they have a lot of babies, but they also have a whole lot of predators and they're a very integral part of that food chain there. Mm. Um, so, so when it comes to tarantulas, yeah, I'm totally against wild caught. Uh, and I also feel like there's so many people breeding them in captivity, like throughout the country, but also around the world that there's, with, with the exception of a few like very rare or new species, there's no reason to be pulling them out of the wild other than greed. Like people just know yeah. that for a female, I can like an adult female, I can get 200 bucks, but if I breed her, I will only be able to sell the slings for 20. Exactly. So, you know, you got that kind of stuff going on. Uh, but then when it comes to tarantulas, like the, the T. Celadonia, there's a couple other of those like species within that genus. Um, and then, you know, like the newly kind of described Chilabraki species, electric blue that now has a new name. Mm -hmm. These we see these tarantulas like they show up in National Geographic or Time Magazine or you know just some website uh, that a new tarantula has been discovered or a new tarantula has been like scientifically described that mm. is not in the hobby. It's almost like you can kind of hit a stopwatch and it's like how many days or weeks, yep. months until it's available for sale. Exactly. And it's always uh, in, in most, especially like with Thailand and Brazil, those are two countries that have a lot of tarantulas but have also kind of have blanket legislation that mm -hmm. uh, we're protecting all of these species. And not just, you know, I mean, we're talking about all kinds of different animals. They just, 
it, yeah. it pretty much just don't export them. So any yeah. animal that is exported and is available in the in the hobby that's recently been discovered was illegally smuggled out. So mm-hmm. every so everything's tainted by you know the, the fruit from the poison tree or a, I don't know what that saying is. I just tried to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried to say like like it, it. even if it's captive bred for generations, the initial ones were mm-hmm. still pulled out of the jungles of Brazil or Thailand illegally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Are kind of act like oh but they're legal because they're grandfathered in or you know whatever reason but yeah. you'll see them from europe you know that there's different laws or maybe just the laws there aren't enforced so you got a lot of species people that will get these species and they kind of bring them into europe and they'll kind of go around through the countries there and then they'll get right. exported sometimes mm-hmm. they'll even do things like you know say that it's a different species than what it actually is yeah because spiderlings are really difficult to tell apart unless you really really know what you're doing now for sure yeah <laughs> You have that kind of stuff going on. But then there's the other side of the of the coin, which I kind of got into, not on that panel, but afterwards talking with someone else uh, because they were like complaining, like, well, will you support this guy? And he deals in wild caught species. And it was kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, but that's different because I'm talking about tarantulas that, you know, in, in their kind of situation. But when you're talking mm-hmm. about some, and not all, this isn't a blanket statement at all, but yeah, yeah. at least in North America, there are the centroidy species, uh, like the bark scorpions. The scorp- scorpions, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just all over Texas and, and throughout the Southwest and down into Florida. And I mean, even in like Missouri and Colorado, mm-hmm. and Louisiana, like they're everywhere. All over, point, yeah. That they're a pest. People yeah. are, are hiring companies to go out and just eradicate. Remove them, them yeah. Yeah, so I mean, in, in those situations where it's like, you know, this is technically a pest that people are actively trying to exterminate, in that mm-hmm. situation, it's like they, they're prolific breeders. They are not invasive, but I mean, they're just, they're to the level of a pest. So taking those wild caught is better than them being killed by poison. Yeah. And, or people just smashing them or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. So like, when we're talking about bark scorpions or, you know, some, some species of true spiders, you know, like jumping spiders is a big one. Mm-hmm. You almost any, yeah, all, like, all are wild caught, wild caught because there's so many of them. So mm-hmm. that's, it's not, I mean, maybe if it really ramps up, then it could become a problem. And I know people are breeding them in captivity. So yeah. it, there are some captive bred available, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those, one of those things where it's like, you got to use some common sense and, and yeah, all wild caught or bad. It's like, well, yeah. the majority of it is the lucrative parts are, but yeah, kid that's catching, you know, a, a, not, I don't want to say a kid catching a bark, but a kid catching a jumping spider. No, right. Yeah. Um, you know, for the rest of its life, that's, I don't think that that is making a horrible impact on the environment. Right, right, right. For me, it was, um, I had brought this up. I would said like, oh, uh, in my opinion, wild caught animals are not pets only. Um, yeah, you can keep them and whatnot, but like your obligation, in my opinion, is to go ahead and breed that animal. There's no reason not to, if you are able to do it, then you can just release the babies. You can sell them for the pet trade, compete with poach prices, you know, all these different things that you can do for them. Um, but at the end of the day, you are removing that animal from their from their gene pool and not allowing that to proliferate in the wild to keep going uh, and help the species to keep going. And with the with the the scorpions specifically, me myself, I've uh, have uh, wild caught Sancroides gracilis, Sancroides hensi, um, because I really like that species. They're kept communally. Um, they've got a pretty nasty sting. It's just really fun and all overall to have. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so for me, it's like oh. If they breed, go ahead, breed them together, release the babies back outside where I found them. It's just yeah. kind of a no-brainer. Might as well. I did take them from the wild. Might as well put them back. Um, and then we brought up also like blue death feigning beetles because 
that is a uh, one that's really really caught on in the pet trade. A lot of people are keeping these uh, these beetles because they're cute, they're awesome, they've got fantastic behaviors, easy to keep. Uh, the problem is that they don't breed readily in captivity, mm-hmm. um, and so because of that, a lot of people are just taking them out of the wild on mass. Having worked at uh, different pet stores and seeing markets and whatnot, a lot of people take these in like in the buckets full. Like they just have a whole bunch of these beetles. And while yes, it's like if you had a whole bucket of like palmetto bugs, sure, you're not going <laughs> to impact like next to anything. Um, sure. But over time, you know, money doesn't stop. It's just going to keep going and going until eventually habitat takes it down or uh, the people take down the habitats rather. Um, and then now it's a central population. You've renovated the gene pool. You're taking animals out of that gene pool with the wild cots. It's a whole cycle that if nothing is checked, if you don't have anyone like, oh, I have some, I'm going to breed them and throw them back outside, then nothing really combats it, especially since uh, a lot of citizen science is really limited. Um, sure. You had, uh, I think, PhD candidate Becky O'Neill, I think, on yes. uh, on the your podcast earlier. Correct. Um, I loved what you guys had to say. One of the specific things that I loved was that it's really hard for individual keepers to go ahead and uh, work in uh, citizen science, to go ahead and work in conservation studies, to submit data, to breed uh, for uh, reintegration uh, programs. And it's like, it really is like this fence that like stops the the conservationists from the keepers. It's it's really difficult. I don't even think fence, at least in, in my field, I don't think fence is an apt description. It seems more like a, like a, a canyon, like it's just massive yeah. ravine and I can see them over there and they can see us. <laughs> there's yeah. no way for us to connect or no. there's just no common ground in between us, even though we're both very passionate about arachnids. Yeah. And part of that is like something you said earlier about taking these animals out of the, out of the wild and having an obligation to breed them and then reintroduce them in the wild. Like, when it comes to at least the science part of of the tarantula hobby or the arachnids in general, that's a big mm. no no. Like if if right, it, like because there's no way for me to be able, like I have no scientific accreditation, no you know reputation or anything like that. So Mm-mm. if I say these, I swear these are these are a male and female afanapelma calcodes, and I've read them, so they're yep. pure afanapelma calcodes. I want mm-hmm. to reintroduce them in the wild. They're like, no, that's a bad thing because they may be crossbred or they they may be a different species. Yep. That yep. can cause all kinds of problems. And, and like you see that with post-Litheria because they were really big in the hobby for a long time. Like a, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those ornamental tarantulas from India, Sri Lanka. Yep. You know, that was, I, I have one in behind me in, in my room that when I got it, it was it just was a post-Litheria uh, Vitata, I believe. Yeah. Ornata, it was a Ornata. And now it's an Ornata. And now they're endangered. Yep. It's like, wow. Like just in the short time, it's been alive in my basement. It went from yep. non-protected to endangered and yep. there's nothing I, I can't take it across state lines i can't nope. move essentially i definitely can't sell it and so mm-hmm. i can only breed it if i can find somebody with a male or not a yeah and since you're in the states it's like impossible to bring that animal back you, you can't in, do anything even if they let you like i'm in west virginia there's a handful <laughs> of people that keep tarantulas here so it's not like i'm in california or new york or arizona or something where there's a bunch of us so it, it, it sucks because it's like i i feel uh an obligation to breed her and but it's like mm-hmm. even if i did all of those spiderlings would be stuck in the hobby because there's no yep. way to get them to the scientific community or yep. and I, you know and from our perspective from the keeper perspective we can really relate to the conservationist perspective because a lot of keepers like they're messing up stuff they're they're poaching animals they're uh interbreeding they're going ahead and hybridizing um morphs uh all this different kinds of stuff that those animals can no longer go back for 
Um, and it's difficult to try to have a, 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 like a verification process to go ahead and vet certain people from being able to do it and not. But I mean, if, if a, a conservationist came up to you from, let's say, uh, Indonesia and they were like, Hey, would you donate a, or would you dedicate a whole, let's say a rack, a metal rack of just keeping this endangered species and then sending us, uh, egg sacks or sending us slings, you know, grown adults, I'm sure you would have no problem being like, yeah, I would absolutely do that. I'll follow whatever rules you guys got for that. I sure. want to be a yeah, hundred percent, and and that's one cool. And I, I always get in trouble when I, I bring this up because I am not a man of the world. Like I'm not <laughs> extremely educated. I'm not. I don't travel a whole lot. I kind of just live in the mountains of West Virginia, and, and I like it. Uh, but I read, and I have the internet, so I, I was. And, but sometimes there's just you know propaganda. Like the government will say something, and that's not actually what's happening. So I the truth. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in the middle, I suppose. But Mexican government, it does have a pretty cool program that I know some breeders and dealers, especially in the Southwest, are, are working with, where they will go out into the wild and, and capture a male and female of the same species, bring it into captivity to breed. Uh, she'll produce an egg sac. They'll return the mother and father back to the wild. They'll mm-hmm. you know raise up that egg sac. And then 50% of them is reintroduced into the location that they were originally removed from. The other mm-hmm. 50% goes into the pet trade. Yeah. So the, they're making money. It's keeping this program alive. That is reintroducing mm-hmm. and protecting the species of tarantula. Yeah, yeah I think scam and and that's not actually happening. But you know, people are mm-hmm. conspiracy theorists. Surprisingly, a similar program or, or tradition exists in Central American countries for sea turtles. Sea turtles are very very high in the uh, uh, commodity for them over there, and so they they fund a lot of market growth. And because scientifically speaking, only like, I don't want to throw out numbers, but like, let's say 10%, if only 10% survive scientifically, they are allowed to harvest, let's say up to 50%, because that then helps the people to go ahead and, you know, fund their, their activities, go ahead and and provide food for their families. At the same time, those people that want those sea turtles to come back next year, protect them because they're like, Hey, we don't want people messing up with our, our our, our markets, you know, with our way to sell this, we want to at least continue to get back the 50%. We need to ensure that they, you know, continue to reproduce for next season when they come back, you know, yeah, so for like really cool. inverts. Yeah. It's, it's super cool. It's, you know, and then you could be like, well, you would want like a hundred percent out there so that they could have the maximum uh, chances for survival. But if scientifically they don't survive like much with slings, a majority of them don't survive in the wild. Uh, some of them most of the time don't even survive in captivity if you're not doing it properly. Right. Um, might as well. Why not? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, re- it's a really good. And I wish more countries would do that. You know, like I mean, yeah. uh, especially what's going on in India and Sri Lanka and Thailand and places like that. It's, it's hard, just because of yeah. I don't want to get into politics or anything like that. But yeah. a bunch of white guys in the U.S. telling people how to you know manage their land is not going to go over well. And yeah, blame them. But you know, and, and so it, I feel like it's the responsibility of at least with the arachnid keepers to try and foster these relationships with researchers mm-hmm. and scientists. And, and that's something that yeah. I try to do through my podcast and through other mm-hmm. conversations I have with people is try to bridge that gap, at least with the few people that are kind of willing to and yeah. make some inroads. And it's like, I, I'm not going to change the world, but I, yeah. we can at least portray ourselves to the scientific community as something more than just people that yeah. want to keep spiders as pets. Or, exactly. You know, like so for, for us, I don't know if you saw any episodes for our podcast, but one of the things that we try to promote is like this uh, organization that we want to get off the ground. It's called KFC. Uh, it stands for Keepers for Conservation, where essentially right now it's re- just 
kind of us right now, uh, where we want to funnel funds. If anyone wants to donate, we funnel funds to specific uh, conservation organizations that we enjoy. Uh, let's say the Orient Center here in Florida. We have the Panther Society, all these different places that go ahead and can take some of this money. Um, and eventually we want to get it to a point where it's basically like what uh, – to an extent what Europe kind of has a little bit more uh, with stud books, with uh, lineages present, uh, going ahead and doing a little bit more of that citizen science that people can uh, do more things like that. Especially since, you know, I think some of the most brilliant minds, uh, not to say anything about scientists or anything, but some of the brilliant minds for breeding these species come from uh, hobbyists, come from people that aren't paid to do it. They're just like, I just like this so much. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It I mean, and knowledge is one thing, but passion is, is, is something else, you know, like yep. sometimes you can be passionate enough about something that you're on par with experts yep. in the field. And, and that was one of the cool things I've like talking to the few scientists that I've kind of been able to, you know, sit down and, and discuss things with like, mm-hmm. just like, I mean, they're, they're generally nice people and very intelligent, but for them to kind of pay me a compliment, like I had a, a professor, uh, Dr. Lof- Lofman. Uh, from West Liberty University came by and was kind of checking mm. the place out. And I was nervous because I was like, and he's in charge of his zoology department. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be wanting like the highest tier care and husbandry. And, yeah. You know, so I was like, and I know he knows about snakes, but I also have some reptiles. And I, I don't know. I was I was nervous that he was going to kind of come in and just roast me or like, you're doing this wrong. But he was very mm-hmm. complimentary. I'm like, this is a better setup than most zoos I go to have. So it's, yep. That made me feel really good and like I'm better. I can give my animals a better life than, you know, a major zoo is. So, uh, hey, know. winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not bragging um, myself, but just trying no, to no, no. an example of like <laughs> how passion can be better in some cases than in yeah. knowledge. I like to bring up this. Uh, it's not a, an official term, but like uh, how sometimes there is like an animal racism present or stigmas really where uh, if you wanted to make an organization to protect pandas or dolphins easy people will throw money at you they you'll have no problem doing that but uh if you wanted to go ahead and talk about you know conserving mantid species in florida people are gonna be like i have i don't want them here at all (laughs) why would i want to conserve them and then that makes it more difficult to get people passionate about them it makes it hard for for people in their own homes to go ahead and protect these animals you know like oh if you see them don't squish them whatever you know it's like it's so difficult. Uh, one of the one of the things that I saw. So I like uh, a lot of insect pinning. I'm getting really behind that. Um, I joined a couple of insect pinning groups on Facebook and on uh, on Instagram or whatever. And I saw some pictures that really startled me. Uh, some of them were from like Indonesian sellers, African sellers, where they have like basically storage bins uh, full to the brim of deceased insects you know that they will ship to you they'll sell to you wholesale whatever you know and i'm like for me personally for the specimens that i go ahead and pin up i only collect dead specimens or if they're invasive i'll have kill jars ready for them and i have no problem doing that but for for natives uh, for things i find alive i'm like nope i let you go go ahead and reproduce do your thing um so when i see buckets full of of insect carcasses i'm like there's no way you found all those dead there's no way you found perfect specimens that you found them alive and then killed them and are now sh- uh, shipping them out, which is no different than poaching. But good luck telling people that, you know, and getting them behind stopping that. Yeah. And that's something I think some people don't realize when they, when they start getting into that aspect of invertebrates is that it's it, even if it's dead, it still can be illegal to ship into the U.S. Like, yep. know, like that could be a, a very big issue. 
Like, mm-hmm. you, could, you know, you can end up in jail over some of that stuff, you know, depending on yep. the species and, and the situation. But it's like, you know, people, I, I've seen a couple of people have, you know, maybe a butterfly they shouldn't have or, or a couple yeah. of rhinos. It's like some of them are cool, but mm-hmm. if there are some species, it's dead or a lot. No, yep. not to bring. Exactly. I know Europe has a lot of rules like that where I think there was a, a new species of butterfly that came out and prices fetched in like the thousands of dollars for a dead butterfly. I'm like, that's crazy. That's <laughs> insane. But yeah, I mean that's just incentivizing people to go out and kill them and sell them online. It's it's exactly it's, it's even worse yeah. than pets, I think. Yeah. And you know, uh so on on our uh on our show, we like to talk about a lot of controversial issues like free handling, uh conservation versus pet keeping, uh racks versus enclosures, that whole thing. Um, but uh it's very rare that people get to talk about invertebrate uh ethics. You know, one in particular that really is like kind of insane to me and how there's like literally no one talks about it. There's no regulation for it at all. It's the release of invasive species with regards to invertebrates. Um, And it's crazy how just possible it is. You know, people are, especially in Florida, it's a high reptile community. People are breeding roaches like it's nothing, you know. Um, And then all of a sudden, if someone was like, I don't really want my culture anymore. I'm just going to dump them outside, let them do their thing, you know, or if they wanted to do that with... uh, I'd say tarantulas. I think there are now invasive tarantulas populating in Flo- South Florida. So look, like, Voggins is in uh, Central yep. Florida, the Titusville area. You know, Orange yep. yep. They've been yep. there since the 70s, but they're thriving. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did not appear there. Uh, but it's very similar conditions to where they are in the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're doing very well. But, yeah, that yeah. was that was not <laughs> that was not that. <laughs> It's insane. It's crazy how how like nobody talks about it. even isopods. I always tell people, so I, I really love isopods. And I always tell them, I'm like, if you don't want your call anymore, you have to freeze it. You have to freeze the dirt that you put them in or and put the whole bin really in the poly. thing. Like when, you, yep. when I at first, I was like, they're really pulleys, but I was uh, Russ from Aquarium Max Pets. Great guy. Knows. Yep. He's uh, great. All kinds I love of Russ. isopods. But when I was mm-hmm. talking to him, he was telling me about all the different permits and, and for different states and mm-hmm. their isopods, man. He's like, they can destroy. Yep native plants and, and yep. crops and he's like they can yep. it's just like in europe it's a big thing especially in the uk they they feed their tarantulas um like katie did it's like you know what i mean yep. I, I feel like that's not or correct. grasshoppers whatever it's just like really big grasshoppers and mm-hmm. uh whether well, that's not what they call it i think they're locusts that's what they are oh okay they're big locusts and, and we can't have them here like, no it's like <laughs> because they will destroy yep. the midwest and Yep. And it's an amazing feeder and they look really cool and the tarantula, mm-hmm. there's a lot of vitamins and minerals and it'd be just be, it'd be yeah perfect. they're awesome they're fantastic feeders yeah. but they you know a couple of those get out and then we have a, you know a plague of locusts <laughs> yep 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 it's but it's like the same thing with isopods isopods can do the same thing you get isopods in a certain I, i've seen uh isopods cover fields you know just because the the soil is so good they're finding the food that they need and they're just up to the like the tippy tips of grass just eating everything wow I've yeah. never seen that, but yeah, I can imagine, you know, yeah. especially with some of the other uh, invasive insects. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah when it comes to controversial, like the the cool thing about tarantulas is that with the exception of South Florida and, you know, some of the southern parts of Texas and well, and then the whole Southwest, but <laughs> when you're talking yeah. about like, tropical species and stuff, uh, like where I live, they're, they're, they can be invasive, you know, like mm-hmm. if they got out, they're not going to survive the winter the first time it freezes. No, right. You know, they're not going to find a mate. It's just not something that I really worry about. Mm -hmm. But that's not when it comes to true spiders, like widows. Like I'm very careful with widows because I know that in my state, we only have the Southern Black Widow, you know, the the Letrodectus Moctans. There may be a few other Mm -hmm. 
venomous spiders that, I mean, all spiders are venomous, but you know what I mean? Like something that's uh, got some kind of uh, bark. Yeah. You know, some kind a little of more bark. medical. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I don't, I got, if I have any Lactrodexus species that's non native here, I'm always super careful because I know if, if the Moxons can, can survive, then all these yep. other species can. All survive. these other ones can. You know, and you're, we're seeing that with like the, there's an issue with the brown widows that were an invasive spider that's <laughs> knocking out the black widows. And it's like, you know, wow. and that's just because yeah. it somehow managed and, and you know, then there's that, mm-hmm. I don't know, we can go on and on about spiders. It's, it's definitely yeah. a problem. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I didn't have any roach feeders. I just bought crickets and, and tried mm-hmm. to make crickets and did mealworms. Cause I didn't want my house to get overrun by crickets or not by, yep. crickets, but by roach, by my wife. Did. By roaches. Would be yeah. free. And she was like, no, no roaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yes. I came here and and I now I, I have my own studio and I'm not at home. Technically, I could get red runner roaches if I want, but I just know yeah. how how invasive they are and how, how insane they are. One yeah. female gets out and this whole you know shopping center I'm in is gonna yeah. have you know these red yeah. runner roaches. So I stick with doobies. Uh yeah, at least up here they're not gonna be breeding like they Maybe yeah. in Florida, but I mean, you know what? I like to say, I always like to say, life finds a way. Right now, uh, we, we there's with all the legislation on in Florida and all that stuff, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, what species can't survive in Florida? What species just can't be here at all? <laughs> I, I usually like to tell them, um, there's basically nothing. There's yeah. basically nothing. I know people that keep crusted geckos outside completely. Oh, wow. You know, and it's like, I what what do you what if a crusted gecko can survive out in Florida, anything can. Really, anything can. Sure. Um, and I mean, if you take everything I just said with a gray, I mean, just and just forget that. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much any tarantula species could survive in somebody's house. You know, mm-hmm. they're not gonna get on nature and reproduce. But I mean, that, that is, if a, if a spider were to get loose, like you know, at home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not so much worried that it's going to go out in the woods and and overtake an, a native species. But it, I mean, it could live 20 years in my house just because it's yeah, <laughs> just walking around eating bugs. <laughs> Yeah. It's, if I ever sell my house, I may have to disclose. <laughs> Maybe a couple of tarantulas in the walls. I, I don't know. Yep. Yep. It's it's wild. It's it's crazy. Inver- people don't talk about inverts ever. It's so and sad. it's a shame. It We're a, a shame. very underrepresented community. But that's changing. Like yeah. it's it's been oh, yeah. crazy the past three years. I mean, just the fact that any of us got invited to Animal Con both years, I think was a big uh in, a big step. I mean yeah, uh, you, you know, you got channels like Exotic Slayer and Dark Den, like you know the big ones, yeah, half a million or millions of of subscribers, and they get a mm-hmm. lot of crap from people in our community. But it's like they are the ones responsible for it blowing up right now. Uh, yep. And I say that in comparison to like the reptile hobby, it's it's probably a drip in the bucket. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's, just, and it's I, my Facebook group. I started, and I mean, I was like, if we ever break five thousand, I'm gonna be impressed. Mm-hmm. And now we're almost yeah, forty thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, you're. You're the only one, I think, in my head that goes ahead and goes ahead and promotes conservation efforts. You know, and if more people were to do that, then the people that are starting to get into tarantulas, the people that, because in the reptiles or in birds, even or fish, especially, there's a lot of old heads that go ahead and you know rule over the the industry, and their way of doing things is kind of the current way of doing things. But with tarantulas and all these inverts being kept. Those people can then the new people can go ahead and you know really shape the future. They can go ahead and promote good keeping. They can promote conservation efforts, and so that way we don't have the same problems as we do with other uh, aspects of of animal keeping. And that's a kind of an interesting. I mean, there that exists in the tarantula hobby as well. I mean, there are old like that. I'm considered a controversial person in the tarantula hobby because <laughs> I part part of the reason is because 
I advocate so much for conservation. That's bad for business. You know, it's, yeah. it's making the tarantula dealers look bad and, and mm-hmm. they don't like that. And it, it's an issue. And there are people that have been keeping since the seventies and the eighties yep. and nineties and, and they have their way of doing things. And if you suggest maybe we should keep this animal in a more naturalistic or mm-hmm. God forbid a bioactive setup, they like, lose their brains. No. They lose it. Sterilite box, cocoa fiber, a toilet paper tube for a hive. That's all they need. It's like that. Yep. No animal should live like that. No, no. The roaches have better accommodations than that. They're feeders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to support us, head on over to modernreptileshop.com or in the description where you can find our merch. And the best part is, is that a percent of the proceeds from the merch gets donated to conservation. One more time, that's modernreptileshop.com or head on over to the description. When we are at the at the panel for Animal Con, I had brought up a roach species that was uh, endemic to a certain cave system. Uh, I ended up looking it up because I was like, no, I need to I need to figure out what it was. Uh, it was the Semindoa Conciferium, uh, named so because of the Semindoa cave systems in Guinea, and the the species name Conciferium because of how vital it was to conserve them. You know, they were only endemic to this one cave system, and yep. then uh, because of the mineral ore within the cave systems. They were harvested. They completely wiped out that system. Um, and now the only extant members of that species are in museum uh, uh, collections. Yeah. And it's like, that can happen with anything. That can happen with any what? species. Granted, pest species, it's going to be really hard. But <laughs> if you look at like, uh, I know, uh, I don't know if you know, aware of like the Hercules beetles in the States, like dynasty yes. species, amazing species. I just recently realized that they were in Florida I was like, that's ins- I've never seen one before, right? Yeah. Um, and so when you talk about a species like that, a species that is very, very not often seen alive, you know, it is. It would be so easy to completely wipe out that species if you really wanted to. It's very true, and and they're constantly in danger because they have. There's other species similar to that that could very easily outcompete them in mm-hmm. other countries that is highly illegal to import into the U.S. or to yep. keep pets in the U.S. And I'm not going to bust anybody out, but somebody contacted me a couple of weeks ago person's a fan and they were trying to do something nice and they wanted to send me some really cool beetles and mm-hmm. I was like, tell me which species they are first because i know that yeah. there's a good chunk of them that are highly illegal yeah. and all except for one species there was one native species uh yep. that i could keep the rest of them would i mean i don't i, I in my mind it's a felony to, to transport them. yeah yeah i don't know if it's actually a felony but i was just like no no no, no dude like i'm not Maybe you get other somebody else to do it, but I it kind of got a spotlight on me right now, even if it's a small yeah. one, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be that guy. I don't want to do that, and I definitely no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird thing because I I'm like I said I'm not I went to school for music and sociology. Like mm-hmm. science was something I did not like because it had math. <laughs> There's yeah. algebra, no. So I'm biology, no. And mm-hmm. uh, so it wasn't until, you know, I, I, I always liked tarantulas. That's why I got into them was in college, but I never thought science mm-hmm. or biology would ever be something I would be interested in. And yeah, now here I am. And that like, it's pretty much all I read is, you know, it's not textbooks, but it's articles and it's, re- it's yep. reports and research papers and, and things like that. When I'm studying for videos and, and trying to get ideas and just learning and uh, it's, it's frustrating because I feel like I missed out. Like I could have so much knowledge. Mm-hmm. If I learned this and then I could be able yeah. to get better. But you know, when it comes to a lot of the invasive species and conservation in particular, like I want to be involved in conservation. And I think as a community, it should be a main focus. If we're keeping mm-hmm. these pets because we love them, then we should also want to protect them in the wild. Like that just exactly. Sense. Yeah. I feel like that anybody from the outside looking in, if we're not doing that, they're going to be like, they don't give a damn about conservation. They want to nope. take animals out. And, 
even if yeah. that's not the case, that's the that's what we're portraying to the rest of the world, and I think that's a bad looking. Also, mm-hmm. I it really frustrates me that I don't have the knowledge to be able to do anything really more than just kind of talk about it and promote it. Like mm-hmm. I you tried know, to get into tarantula conservation. I'm sorry, I mean to interrupt. Yeah, you. no, you're good. You're good. I I reached out trying to find any, there's no organizations that particularly protect tarantulas. So I would get suggested we'll protect, you know, try to contribute to this organization that protects this like huge, you know, uh, land areas or something like that. Tarantulas live in there and it's like, yeah, but they don't care about them. Like that's not their, it's a, it's a, well, it just happens to accidentally protect the tarantulas too. Yeah. And then some of those conservation uh, organizations I reached out to, essentially said because you create content about keeping these animals as pets we don't want anything to do with you and yep. that kind of shocked me i was just like whoa really like yeah i'm yeah. offering so, to give you money and you're turning it down <laughs> it, it's crazy it's the it's it really is a huge huge like canyon like you said um i so being in florida and wanting to go ahead and you know do a little bit more i volunteered at the OCIC, the Orient Center for Indigo Conservation and it's conserving indigo snakes uh they're a, a species that almost only in Florida, a little bit of Alabama, a little bit of Georgia, um, but their numbers have depleted significantly because of land development, because of poaching, because of a whole bunch of slew of issues. Um, in this or in this uh, uh, center, uh, while I was there, we had adult indigo snakes, both in outdoor and rack enclosures. Uh, we bred them, uh, paired them together, kept extensive records of the feeding, of the sheds, of, of who was paired to who to ensure non-breeding or non-inbreeding, all that stuff. Um, and the way that it was done, honestly, like besides besides paperwork, which really isn't hard, uh, there was not much extra to do different than um, in pet keeping. So obviously, if you're a snake keeper, a lot of people know how to keep racks. Not that hard. And if you're doing outdoor enclosures, a lot harder for sure. But people are already doing that. People are already keeping snakes outdoors, you know, and if you wanted to enrich uh, enclosures, if you want to do tanks indoors, uh, vision cages indoors, the whole thing, you could, you could absolutely do that. Um, And so the only thing that was uh, of any difference really, well, besides biosecurity, biosecurity was a big one because uh, obviously if you're releasing animals back outside, you need to be keeping uh, uh, records that all your animals are healthy. You don't want to be spreading things in between. Uh, The second thing was data collection was literally just writing down what you're doing, what you're seeing when it happens. You know, um, if people could do that with tarantulas and their native species or uh, native inverts in general, you could do assassin bugs, mantids, cockroaches, isopods, whatever. The, 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 the world is your oyster. Pick which one. You know, uh, if like, let's say every single person who was passionate about these animals was able to keep native species in their homes, reproduce them, and then put them back outside with records that they could share across, uh, across you know, the world. Sure. <laughs> What could stop us? What really could stop us? And then if that money that uh, if you wanted to go ahead and work with the um, captive hobby, you could easily get some of that money, generate uh, it for for those conservation efforts to protect that land. You could hit so many benchmarks if people just, I don't know, if I guess if people just decided to do it. Sure. I, I think that's something that I kind of talked about, something similar in the podcast uh, you referenced earlier with Becky. Uh, which she and I were talking, I, I mentioned the arachnophiles app because that's kind of something that we were doing. Like I, I was wanting to build an app. This guy was also building an app and we were like, let's kind of like put our heads together. And he did like 90, the line, all the work. <laughs> I mean, she's, yeah. he built the app. I just yeah. gave ideas and bounced on <laughs> Like I don't want to take any credit for that, but uh, <laughs> it's a cool app. And, and part mm-hmm. of like, I was like, what I, my contribution to it was just wanting to be able to have somewhere where we're not taking people's personal data 
but mm-hmm. we can access uh, how often like we can look up a species and see mm-hmm. on general how often are they eating, how much are they eating, uh, when do they mm-hmm. molt, molt cycle. Like we can have all these individual keepers that are just wanting to kind of keep track of their own animals and are inadvertently uh, helping build a database uh, where we can, you know, we'll just have tons of data on how these tarantulas right, right. live in captivity and, and what people are feeding them and, and, you know, how long they live. And there's all kinds of interesting, you know, but it's just like getting that data together is mm-hmm. maybe nobody's going to use it now, but in 20 years, yeah. science would be like, yeah, that's invaluable information. Yep. Would love that. One of the, one of the classic things is pinnings, uh, insect pinnings. They do survive decades into the future because of just how hardy that, the, the exoskeleton of these animals are. And so people always say like, hey, if you're going to go ahead and pin insects, please, when you do it, pin the, the location that you got it, who pinned it, the date that you got it, all that stuff and the species. So that way in the future, if anything changes, people can still use those specimens and you can still use those collections as like kind right. of windows into the past to see how they looked. And that's that's like nuts to me. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. You, have, you can have collections from like the 1800s of butterflies and beetles and they look different than now. It's like, wow, sure. that's that's insane. And that was kind of what got me into what I do now is, I mean, one, I just really like the way tarantulas and spiders look and I wanted mm-hmm. to photograph them and was taking pictures with my phone. And that kind of evolved into making videos and, and getting better camera equipment and learning how to use it and stuff. But like deep down, like one of the, I just, I just really, when I would search for a, an image of a tarantula or especially video of a tarantula, there's not a lot impossible. Yeah. Even yep. now, like, I, I, I mean, I work really hard getting some clips and some of them are pretty like they're halfway decent. I'm like mm-hmm. Adobe or, you know, one of these like B roll kind of stock footage sites like that have yep. hardly any tarantulas would love this. And yep. they constantly turn me down. Like, yeah, we have no demand for spider. <laughs> but I'm like, one day these shots one are going to be like, <laughs> macro video of tarantulas moving, especially if they end up going extinct. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be uh, not invaluable. Yeah, but not like monetarily invaluable. It's not going to make me rich, no, but right. it's going to be a contribution to humanity. You yeah, know, exactly. in yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's sad because it's in the early stages right now. You know, we're not concerned about the future right now because things are good. Things are fine. You know, for a lot of species, there's no worry. But the, but the problem is, is that people don't know what the future holds, and you know, people will surprise you. You know, I, I, I think I said. I think I think I said about tarantulas is that. That's not the case anymore. Like every couple of months, yeah. there's another report. This species is now threatened or near threatened. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, 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 at least with the spiders, it feels like they're falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And if that falls, it's kind of like, you got to save the honeybees. You know, you also got to save the spiders. <laughs> yeah. If the tarantulas die, like the, that, that's like pulling out the rug from an ecosystem. Yep. You know, there's yep. a lot of stuff that's just going to get way out of balance. And hopefully nature will be yep. able to rebalance itself, but yeah. it could, it could be cataclysmic. You know, bees get a lot of love. Bees get a lot of love. Probably not as much as they should, but like <laughs> I, whoever was PR for bees, they did a fantastic job because they're like, bees are good guys. We need the bees. And it's like, you know, it's probably the bee movie. That's what it did it. Freaking Jerry um, signed little tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He say, he did it. He saved the bees. Um, but it's it's really like with, with, uh, with spiders, it's going to be so hard. It's so hard. Jumping oh, spiders yeah. now get a little bit of love. Um, yeah. But if you wanted to help people like... Guys, we need to start conserving black widows, Elmactons. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna grab, get on that train. Nobody. Yeah, but jumping spiders are like the the gateway drug to the arachnid. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like that, that first time you, you know, it's it's uh, you get they they're cute, they're harmless, they're intelligent, they mm-hmm. you know they're very low maintenance, and then you know you get a couple of those, and then they're just 
something i don't know and maybe you've experienced but there's just something when you really look at an arachnid especially yeah uh, especially tarantulas or spiders but you know pretty much any arachnid uh mm-hmm. it just they're so alien and fascinating and mm-hmm. you're just the way they move and think and react is so different than anything you've ever experienced yourself or has seen anything else experience it yeah. becomes like intoxicating almost like it's it very intimidating and you're like yeah i need to learn more and yeah. i want to see more and then I can't tell you how many people I have talked to that have been like, I got my first jumping spider and was looking for stuff online and came across your channel. Now I own 20 tarantulas. So it's It's so easy. It is so easy. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Now scorpions on the other hand, that's not something I like them, but it's not something I suggest people like jump into. (laughs) No, right, right, right. You know, with, uh, with scorpions, I didn't like scorpions at first. I really didn't. Um, just cause they were mostly solitary. Um, some of them were too finicky that if they sensed even the slightest bit of movement, they didn't want to eat. So I was right. like, I, I hate this. I don't want any part of this. Except when I got into the Syncroides, the tidious species, the ones that are communal, then I was like, whoa, actually, that's actually pretty cool. I do like those. Yeah. The Centroides are, are, they were probably my first love. Like, I think yeah. like my first tarantula was like a freaking uh, Asian forest scorpion or, and then an emperor scorpion. Like started out yeah. like most people do. And yeah. then quickly was like, no, I need a bark scorpion. Like, yeah, I yeah. Work, but I want an Arizona and I want a mm-hmm. know, stripe park or Texas park, whatever y'all. Yeah. Are. Yeah. Yeah. I think people yeah. also get into like the, 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 the toxicity of it. They're like, Oh, I want the more dangerous, the the more <laughs> deadly, that kind of thing. Um, That's not me though. Like I, no. I, I, I mean, just, it, it was funny at animal, animal calling. Cause we we're sitting around the pool and there was a bunch of reptile guys, like mm-hmm. kind of having a, I don't know what i can say on your podcast i want to be honest I whatever no, whatever i was like oh shoot I, mean, I don't know if i can do that <laughs> yeah say whatever <laughs> but it was like a a dick measuring contest yeah yeah who had who recently handled the most venomous snake or whatever and i'm like we're sitting around like every animal we work with is venomous like yeah 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 <laughs> like maybe they're not as dangerous as like a black mom no right right <laughs> They'll hurt you. They'll send you hey, to the hospital. Still good enough to make like a, a grown man cry. And that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, just got stung like Friday by uh, mm-hmm. Centroides uh, scopulatus, the Arizona yep. bark scorpion, like the most Oof. venomous in the U.S. And yep. the guy that sent him to me told me he got stung by the striped bark scorpion. It's a Texas bark, like while he was pe- packing him up to send to me. And, and I yeah. was like, no, I'll, I'll be careful. Like they're feisty, but like the scorpions, they're not aggressive. They're not coming mm-hmm. after me. They're they're, tr- nope. they're trying to get away from me. And the only reason yep. I got stung is because I was not paying attention to what I was doing. And mm-hmm. there was seven of them in an enclosure and I only had eyes on three and yep. just assumed four more were st- at the bottom. And I yep. shoved some moss into a little crevice and then I just, <laughs> this tiny little singer come out of the moss, and bam, bam. Yep. Got twice on the tip of my finger. And I don't know if I've experienced that level of pain in a long yep. time. And it yeah. lasted, man. It had, it was like a, an acid trip. It was like, well, I was oh, going to yeah. be with you all weekend. And, yep. Yep. And I, I was, was like, like the- talk to Nate. He said he got stung by the Texas bark or the mm-hmm. stripe bark and the Vitatis. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's felt better. He's like, a couple hours it was fine. The next day I was, okay. I was, it was better. He's like, it hurt like crazy. But, you know, yep. yeah, it's like, dude, it's 24 hours in. I can't feel all the way up to my elbow. <laughs> and <laughs> arms it's hurting. I'm afraid it's coming to my heart. It's like, yep. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to die. It's just going to suck all weekend. Yeah. I used to work at a shop in Gainesville next to UF, basically like five minutes away. And people would come in and they're like, well, the rules for the dorms are I can't have anything longer than four feet. So what do you got? And I'm like, well, we got centipedes. <laughs> like that was the rule. You can't have anything. You can't have a corn snake. But if you want like a Vietnamese giant centipede, no problem. Go for it. <laughs> That's how I got a tarantula, man. Like I wanted a pet. And, uh, and I also was like, I, 
pretty much they were like when I, I wanted to get a pet for the dorm and i couldn't even have a betta fish they're like no, no 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 kind of aquarium that holds water they had a whole paragraph that pretty much excluded all pets uh but i was talking to a professor about my fear of spiders and he was like you should get a pet tarantula i was like no we can't have pets in the dorms he's like mm-hmm. well the tarantula like invertebrates kind of fit a loophole <laughs> like yeah they're in an yep. aquarium but it's not filled with water and there's no heat <laughs> there's no heat rock there's no heat nope. pad like like pretty much they're like a house plant and yeah i was like all right and i no problems <laughs> so nope, yeah nope. inverts are a great pet for the dorms <laughs> yep so with uh it's interesting too because like we were talking about venomous snakes in florida a lot of rules against venomous snakes can't keep them nothing but you want to go to your local reptile shop you want to go ahead and get a death stalker scorpion no one's gonna stop you go for it do whatever you want you know and it's like yeah. that's that's kind of crazy like nothing stops like four-year-old timmy from coming in and just taking one right it, it that's we have that issue uh with androctonous species a lot like i think mm-hmm. its latin name translates to man killer something like yeah. that don't quote me on that but i feel like that's right uh and that's like uh like the fat tail scorpions they have any fat yeah. tails the egyptian fat tail like i've got a couple of those and like i think i got two adults and two like squirplings and yep in my mind i know that that's really venomous and could potentially kill me let alone yep. you know, more than likely just send me to the hospital at least yeah yeah and stuff but like that i don't even get an adrenaline rush when i work with them because they're nope. so calm and not yeah. aggressive you know what i mean like yeah they're, usually they're so still like i will yeah i was trying to like usually it's in this burrow and i'm like oh shit it's on top of its yeah, burrow. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> yeah like that's a, that's what that's how people are gonna get stung not because it's yeah. you're like a snake you know, it, it, yeah. it's usually you do something dumb and yep. you get a dumb prize like like yep. i just did friday and it's still yeah. i still can't feel the tip of my finger as i'm talking yep. to you like you're up it's just dumb yep. yeah um i always tell him like if you want to thrill get an obt get a huntsman that's there's your thrill right there <laughs> you don't need anything else you know and some people are like like kids like i went to a pets uh reptile expo and it was not a respectable one it was kind of like we we're driving on a road trip and i saw a, i don't really like a lot of them either it's <laughs> like reptile show five dollars like oh let's check it out and it was <laughs> terrible and there was a guy selling no. some snakes and i uh, didn't even i mean he didn't even have um uh like a tablecloth on his table you know mm-hmm. what i mean so it tells you the, the yeah level so rinky dink this was <laughs> just yeah stained broken wooden tables at the yeah garbage at the place <laughs> and so it, it was more like a uh the whole thing was more like a flea market. Than a flea, oh no! <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like just tables with like just random stuff on it, and I don't know yeah. anybody was advertising the name of their business. It was just weird, yeah. and uh, and he and he had some tarantulas, and all it said, I'm trying to remember. I think it just said like Starburst tarantula or something like that, and Ooh. I was like, what is this? And he's yeah. like, you can open it up and, and take a look. And it was like one of those little, like, kind of four ounce or eight ounce deli cups, like, you know, sure. I mean, it, a normal size, but not very deep. Yeah. I open it up, and the first, and it's a, a, a Toga Starburst baboon, like a heteroscopic, okay. a lot of macula. Like, macula, yeah. Yeah. Like one of the most defensive and venomous species. It's like, it's, yeah. we don't really know what the most venomous tarantula is, but that's right, a, right, right. It's in the yeah. run with the post sure. Metallica and, and sure. others and Feather Lake baboon. And, scared the crap out of me because i was just like open it up and i see that and i shut it i'm like you're just letting anybody open this thing up <laughs> like yeah. it comes by and you're like oh it's just a spider it's not gonna hurt you like yeah, i could kill it here. like what, yeah they, yeah fast. and they don't yeah. like lights and i was like this this you don't know what you're doing you're gonna hurt somebody yeah and yeah so- it's it's crazy it is crazy inverts i think it's really because people aren't aren't into them people aren't learning about them 
Um, yeah. But hopefully, and it is changing. It is changing. A lot of people are getting into it a little bit more. I hope it's. Uh, yeah, but I do know. I just I wanted more. to say this. I want to make sure that I get this in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody that I know that sells uh, Hot and Tata, Titimus, and Androctonus, like any mm-hmm. of those like, really venomous species. Yeah. At least the respectable people that I deal with, none of them will sell them to anyone under the age of 18. Uh, and then usually if you're just a random person buying it, they won't sell it to you unless you kind of, you know, they have a conversation with you and know yeah. that you understand what it is you're dealing with and, and how to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Like at least yeah. they're being responsible about it. Yeah. Working at a, a reptile store, I do the same thing. Like there are technically no rules, but I will always, I, I'm not afraid to tell someone you're not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. You're not ready for this. Um, my first Tarantula was actually, uh, the recently changed uh, Helobrachis electric blue. Um, yep. And it was, it was all right. It was fine. I'd worked with them before. Like I'd worked with tarantulas already before. And then I was like, Oh, I'll finally get one. Um, it's for me, it's more behavior though. Yeah. It was my first, uh, but for me, it's more behavior. Cause I'm like, I never see this thing. This thing is almost always yeah. in the dirt. It's the most active of fossorial tarantulas. I will give it that, but still I was like, Oh, I want something that's out like all the time. I want to be able to look at it and be like, Oh, look, there it is. Always eat the whole thing. Um, so then I created it for a, a key pulchra and I'm, I'm way happier with that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. yep. Nothing against, I mean, I, right now I got nothing against fossorial tarantulas, but every four months or so, I, I, I just kind of throw my hands up in the air. I'm like, no more fossorials. Like we're not yep. taking any more in, might even get rid of the ones I have. I'm sick of dealing with them. And, mm-hmm. and it's, they don't do anything, but that's yep. the problem. They don't do anything. It's just, yep. I've got a bottom row. That's just a bunch of enclosures with dirt. And every now and then I'll see some legs. And uh, that's just not exciting. And then when I, I like, yeah. I, I like to film them. And yeah, exactly. How can I ethically film a tarantula in a burrow like that? Yep. I usually have to wait until I need to rehouse it, or you know, because it's mm-hmm. outgrown its burrow, or it's or outgrown its enclosure, or its enclosure has become just like riddled with mold or mildew, or you know, there's an issue, so it needs yeah. a new home because that's yeah. extremely stressful to the spiders. You know, I mean, it is. Yeah, just destroying their entire universe and setting mm-hmm. them in a new one that they've got to figure it all out because they don't see well. You know, it's just, yep. it's, 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 it's traumatic. So I try not to do that yeah. unless I need to. And then, so like, that's the opportunity to film them. And if they're like, you know, pre-molt or something, then they're not really moving around a lot. They're really like, I just did one on the, I just did a video on the Chilibrocky species electric. Yeah. Yeah. But it's name changed. And people are like, the yeah. tarantula's not black. I'm like, well, yeah, she's in pre-molt. So it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I could wait until she molts, but I needed to change her enclosure. And this just, it seemed like perfect timing. And I had a male and a female and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. But yep. she didn't have that like dark black and extremely bright nope. color she would have after a molt or even for months yeah. after a molt. It was like, right, right. Sick. she's probably molting right now. Like that's how, <laughs> that's how dark, like she was almost gray. <laughs> I'm yep. so disappointing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people want the, the, it's the same reason I don't like centipedes either. It's mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's like, I want to feed you. You felt the enclosure move. You don't want to eat anymore. Why am I, why am I crying? Yeah. And then they, they, like, I've got, I have had some, I've had a centipede for like a year and I'm like, it's gotta be dead. Like it just, mm-hmm. it, it, I haven't <laughs> seen it in a year and I haven't yep. seen anything move. And sometimes I'm throwing in crickets and roaches and they're not getting eaten. So yep. I'm going to dig it out and, and do like a, a wellness check. And then it, it almost bites me. It's like running around like crazy. I'm like, how are you still alive? <laughs> you know? But then other times I'll have one. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not, that one's fine. And then I'll lift up a cork bark and it's dead. I'm like, yeah, like, uh, I don't get you all. Like, no. Nope. You just That's never fun. see them. But when you do see them, man, they are so cool. <laughs> they are so cool. They're so, the best thing is seeing them eat. That's the best thing. Yeah. But it's a passion. That's a passion. Yeah, Not like, a day <laughs> for a year and you may see them once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you okay? Yeah. With 
Well, um, I think I took everything that I wanted to to go ahead and hit. Is there anything you wanted to go ahead and throw out there? Uh, chat with me about. Go ahead and plug your stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got a podcast. It's the Exotic Pet Collective. So there's like a YouTube channel. You just search the Exotic Pet Collective anywhere that you listen to podcasts and you can find it. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, I talk to other content creators. I also try to bring on scientists and researchers and just kind of get a wide mix of people, both from the invert and the reptile hobby. But I mean, it's, I mean, there also potentially could be, you know, fish people or birds. I mean, it's exotic pets. So, yeah, go for it. you know, I tried to keep it as broad as possible. Uh, but now I'm uploading those not on the second YouTube channel, but on my main channel because they seem to okay. be better there now that, you know, YouTube has a podcast section. So yeah. you can find them there on the Tarantula Collective. Um, but yeah, and then I'm on Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, one of the things I want to do with the podcast is talk a whole lot more about the science aspect and the conservation aspect. And yeah, we're equally pushing conservation for these species in the wild because I, I just really think that's important. And mm-hmm. but also taking better care of the ones we have in captivity and yeah. trying to give them you know, the best naturalistic enclosures that we can. Mm-hmm. Bioactive is, is you know, that, that's one of those people like they don't need a bioactive. It's like, well, nature is bioactive. They live in yeah, nature, yeah. you know, yeah. and there is benefic- you know, benefits to it, especially with humidity regulation because yeah. are really easy to take care of, but some of them require a higher moisture level. Like they need yeah, more yeah, yeah. air, but not so, but it's, it's just weird the way that they do it compared to reptile. I can't just hook up a fogger. And no, it's a chameleon or something, and it's going to get that humidity. Like, yep, it needs it's a whole different thing. seeping up from the ground in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those like they want to get cooler, they're going to burrow down. So you got to have you know heat. It's got to be warmer at the top and cooler on the bottom. Yeah, it's drier at the top, moisture in the bucket. Because I mean, when they need more humidity, usually they'll burrow mm-hmm. down the earth. So you know, we got to think about how they act in nature and, and try to replicate our our enclosures to better suit them. Hundred percent for sure. And and like like I I'm gonna the podcast coming out next is with um, Marshall Arachnids, who is a huge like he has a, his his history is in zoology and you know working with animals mm-hmm. mainly like geckos and, and amphibians and stuff like that. Yeah. But he's taking what he learned you know working in zoos and going to school and is applying it to tarantulas. Okay. And he's getting a whole lot of pushback because he's hmm. suggesting things like heat lamps and hotspots hmm. and temperature gradients and like you know the stuff that you talk about when it comes to reptiles yeah. that for many years has been. Uh, as a, as a, I mean, I have videos. It's like tarantulas are yeah. not reptiles. We cannot keep them nope. as reptiles. And that's true. Yep. A lot of the products they sell at you at pet stores that are made for reptiles are mm-hmm. you know, dangerous or just be a waste of money when it comes to spiders. Yep. But there are some aspects of our husbandry that needs to advance. Yeah. Take on sure. some of those aspects, like having bioactive setups, having naturalistic setups, having yeah. gradients, having humidity gradients. Like that's just the whole thing. Natural common sense you know it's not yeah. no, i'm not saying we got to have a specific uvb light that's costing a thousand dollars you know the more the tarantula doesn't need that's not going to use that one of my one of my favorite things about uh reptile or husbandry in general is like there's tears there's obviously like give the animal food and water duh give the animal space you know but at the top of the the pyramid of like the the top of the hierarchy of needs i guess is uh choice you know, mm-hmm. the last thing you can give your captive animal is choice. And yeah. a lot of the times, a lot of people don't think that tarantulas can make choices. And it's like, no, they, they, they obviously can. If they are in somewhere too bright, you always see a tarantula. I want to be in the dark. They stop when they yeah. go ahead and it's darker for them. Um, a lot of the hot, they want to get away from it. I'll have two different uh, hides because I know like I want them to be in the right side of the enclosure, but that's just for my aesthetic purposes. Like that yeah, doesn't, yeah. <laughs> there's no real value to what side they no, so, right. I, mean, I give them multiple ones and they almost always have a preference. And, mm-hmm. and 
especially like with my large tranches, like the Theraphosis Dermy I have, it has two burrows. It's almost always in the one on the right. And I think that's because uh, it's a little bit dr- like with the misting systems hooked up and the lights, the, the way the plants are growing, yeah. it's kind of a darker and drier in that yeah. area. But they're okay. still, yeah, still moist and humid in the entire enclosure. So it's like yeah. it's, found a, it's found its little microclimate within that small enclosure that it really likes. And that's where it uses yeah. it. I mean, it still explores, but it's mm-hmm. it's obvious. And that was a as controversial as that last podcast that you were you referenced was mm-hmm. within the tarantula human community because there were some I did get some some nasty comments and some pushback from people that are you know like just they just their idea is attached to the fact that tarantulas are uh, instinctual one hundred percent yeah yeah have no capacity for thought or stress or you know I mean well they can get stressed out but they can't make a decision they can't no. learn, they can't be that's, that's wrong and it's like we've, we now we have evidence <laughs> like scientific research that's showing the contrary yeah you know so we gotta we gotta stop we gotta stop acting like they don't because now it's it's just ignorance and it's just laziness and being cheap like you don't want to buy the nice enclosure and you don't want to get enrichment and you don't want to give them the lighting and you know and it has nothing to do with the care of the animal that just has to do with you not wanting to evolve and you're not wanting to spend money at least (laughs) recently we had on a one of our local vets, one of our local exotic vets onto the pod. And he said that recently he had to go ahead and treat and see a tarantula. And I'm like, who would have thought, who would have thought <laughs> taking your tarantulas to the vet? You know, like that's, that's crazy. What he he said he had to do was that there was a, a certain, so there was something wrong with the leg of the tarantula. And he saw that there was a fungus growing. So what he did is he took a sample of the fungus with a cotton swab, went ahead, obviously he can't anesthetize the spider. So he has to safely hold it and all that. But um, he went ahead and got the, uh, cotton swab and sent the the fungus off for testing to go ahead and identify the the particular species any possible treatments could be tested for that whole thing and it's like ugh, who who in the tarantula hobby is taking their teas to the vet nobody almost nobody is doing that there are a lot of us that try like I, yeah <laughs> no, i had a tarantula stuck in a bolt once and i was i called my vet and he was like no i don't deal with invertebrates uh, i'll see your snake maybe or your gecko but i'm not looking yeah. for spiders you know and there's also when it comes to like reptiles you can notice behavioral differences like maybe their eyes get glassy or their their breathing's weird or they're mm-hmm. being lethargic or their their heads moving strange tarantulas yeah. don't really have that you know like yeah. there's it's really difficult to look at a spider and be like oh there's something wrong that thing's sick like, it's so hard usually by the so time hard. you can tell there's an issue it's way too late like yep. any chance to remedy that has has been long gone and yep. it's you know they're in their final hours at that point it's, it's yep. heartbreaking it and is heartbreaking there's so many different you know, environmental factor. It could be some, they got some poison on them or some kind of chemical or it mm-hmm. could be a neurological issue or it, it could be DKS, food. internal parasites. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's like a whole thing. DKS is like the, the umbrella term for, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with my tarantula, but it's yep. like going to die. Like, so it has, yep. DKS. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's very frustrating yeah. because, you know, even then people are comparing and we're trying to get anecdotal evidence and figure it out. And it's like, the exact same symptoms are being described by someone who accidentally, who's like had a partner, somebody sprayed their tarantula with bug spray. Yeah. It's acting the same way as somebody who ate some cricket, yeah. crickets that were infested with some kind of parasite or somebody yeah. that's, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. Yeah. And it's just one of those things like we need a lot more research. Yeah, um, for sure. Before we figure it out. If you're listening to this, you're a reptile lover. All right. And what do we all need? We need supplies. So we got you covered. 
Head on over to imperialreptiles.com and use the code REPTILESWITH to get a specific discount, special to us and our listeners, for your reptile supplies today. One more time, that's imperialreptiles.com. Use the code REPTILESWITH. All righty, we are back. Tino, tell me your favorite parts of your talk with Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're officially spiders now. We are. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. You guys got to... Wait, which Peter are we? Can I be Garfield? Oh, you want to be Garfield? Yeah. You can be Garfield. I'll let you do that. This is the <laughs> Spiders With podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we talked about our time at AnimalCon together, um, how I hijacked the panel, how much fun that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we talked basically about uh, the question that Diane had asked us on that panel about wild-caught tarantulas uh, or inverse in general, our opinions on that. Um, basically, Richard and I have the same mindset. You know, For the most part, wild-caught animals are not great pets. They are not really the best uh opportunities for a lot of people to learn the best parts of of insect keeping or invertebrate keeping um we also talked about just collecting in general from the wild um how certain species they come onto the they recently discovered or they uh pictures of it finally come out and then all of a sudden boom like people are trying to buy it and people are already trying to buy it it's already on the next importers list i actually remember that specifically when the isopod trade like really started going off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working with somebody who was, uh, you know, somebody that was at the front of that isopod stuff. Yeah. And it was like that. It's like new things would come out. He had to get them. New yep. things would have to come out. He had to get them. If you're them. if you're into isopods, you usually see a spe- a genus name SP yeah. and then a uh, 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 like a common a common name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cubaris species rubber ducky, for instance. Yeah. Cubaris is just an estimation. They don't actually know that it should be in Cubaris. I don't think it should be. I think it should be in Nesadillo, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then SP Rubber Ducky because they yeah. haven't been speciated. This is so new. This stuff is so new that people are just yeah. grab them into the hobby. They're taken care of the same way. Send them. You know, that's sell something them. you'll see in pretty much every aspect of the animal. Every trade. aspect. It's yeah. it, you're never gonna run away from. It that. is really sad. Um, really sucks. Is there anything that you guys spoke about that you were surprised that he said? Um. Not really, because for the most part, I think it's he speaks a lot about the things that people don't want to talk about. Okay, you know uh, the the back ends of of certain deals, of certain aspects of invertebrate keeping, um, especially about care. You yeah. know, uh, Richard's channel, the Tarantula Collective, is all about not all about, but mostly about uh, captive tarantula husbandry, and so he wants to go ahead and teach people that hey, you know what, it's all about. Uh, naturalistic enclosures. It's yeah. about providing them more enrichment, giving the tarantulas and spiders more options. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't think that. They what don't would think you that, like, say hey, is a tarantula enrichment? Like, yeah, what, what, you know, what would be an example of that? An example, uh, so we were talking about, like, a hierarchy of needs for, mm-hmm. for tarantulas or, and animals in general. At the bottom, you have your your uh, basic needs, your food, water, all that stuff. At the top of the pyramid is choice. For uh, inverts, a lot of people think, oh, they're purely instinctual. But no, they can actually make decisions. If you have separate uh, parts of the enclosure with different light levels, uh-huh. they can make the choice to be in the darker or the light. Same thing with heat. If you put a heat pad, they can go warmer, they can go colder, or uh, substrate level. You mm-hmm. can go ahead and have deeper substrate in certain parts, and then that gives the tarantula more opportunities to dig, make certain specific types of burrows. Interesting. Um, also things to climb on, things to uh, within the environment to go over, underneath, web up. That whole thing is... The, the tarantula knows what it needs more than we know what it needs you know he's like oh i want some more humidity right now he can go to an area with more humidity um i want to go ahead and be darker he can make that uh he or she can make that decision um and a lot of people think that oh a jar of dirt is kind of just all it needs <laughs> and to the extent a lot like turtles invertebrates are survivors they really will 
you know, Figure it try out. to make mm-hmm. the best out of a bad situation. Um, but we're like Richard is, is talking about his channel more and more. We're starting to be like, you know what? If we're going to keep these animals in captivity, why not give them the best that they can? So it really, is a diverse yeah. environment. That's really what it comes out to. Yep. Interesting. Yep. If there's anything that I've, uh, if there's something specific that I've learned throughout everything that we've done throughout this podcast, people we've met, conversations we've had, is just that the common theme for all animals is how we're keeping them mm-hmm. and how we can improve. Yep. Um, I don't I, mind you. You guys know that I've I haven't been in this that long. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean. It's going to be, it's coming on to 10 years, you know, which, and it sounds like a long time, yeah. but I still feel new. Um, and I don't know if they were having these conversations before, but I'm happy we're having these conversations today where no matter what it is between a ball python, a blue tongue, tarantula, a turtle, that now we can like see, okay, how can we offer the best, be mm-hmm. real stewards to these animals? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously there's different realms of keepers. You have the breeders. You have the hobbyists, mm-hmm. you have the pet tubers, you have the reptile shops, yeah. whatever. And each one of them is going to have to care for their animals a specific way that suits the their own personal needs. Mm-hmm. But we should have a way that certain things should get done so mm-hmm. we can offer uh, the best for the animal while it's in our care. You yeah. know, maybe a reptile shop has of an course. animal for a specific amount of time. So they might have to do things a little more simple to make sure that the animal is uh, – doing some of the behaviors is eating is mm-hmm. pooping is is drinking water etc it's yeah. just to make sure that it thrives for its forever home mm-hmm. you know maybe a breeder that is uh, keeping an animal for the length of its life to reproduce maybe they need to have higher numbers how can mm-hmm. you do those higher numbers and also maintain a certain amount of care yeah and then with the uh pet tuber side let's say it's like you know there are you know a lot of exposition a lot of like Mm -hmm. this is that that is this like we i'm just happy that we're getting to i I like that we're getting to a place where it's just like okay open conversation it's not so much taboo it's like how can we better improve this Mm -hmm. and make sure that our individual needs are met because at the end of the day the animals are offering us something and Mm -hmm. we should be able to offer the best for them one of the one of the things that makes it difficult is the stigma against invertebrates you know, it's hard to convince someone, hey, mm-hmm. you know, your tarantula, your centipede needs a lot more when they can't really read that animal. Yeah. And it's it's when you talk to dog and cat people, they're like, oh, I can tell it loves me. Yeah, it's obvious, you know, and you also learn that animal. We've been learning these animals for, for eons, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to tell when that animal is happy than a snake, than a, a lizard. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to difficult. get people to understand that with reptiles. I could only imagine inverts. It's it's so That's hard. Terrible. It's so hard. Almost almost impossible a lot of the times, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially since uh, invertebrate health is also very difficult to determine until it's already too late. Um, one thing that did surprise me with what uh, Richard had said is that he's very on board kind of with the, the KFC mentality, but for, for invertebrates. He wants that, uh, he, he described it as a canyon, if you obviously saw it, um, between the conservationists and scientists and the pet keepers on this side. And that that divide is huge, even in vertebrates. You know, yeah. uh, he's had several instances where he's like, "I want to go ahead and uh, be involved in programs to help uh, tarantulas in the wild. I want to go ahead and donate to preserving land and all that stuff." Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing he wants is something specific for tarantulas. Like, th- there's only there's only so many tarantula-specific organizations out there. You know, when even the Indigo Society, the uh, Orient Society, has Indigo-specific mm-hmm. centers for them. You know, tarantulas is going to be yeah, but. Think about how cool like that is. Like people milk 
tarantulas. You know, people keep tarantulas in uh, enclosures mm. in toxicology labs and then have to go through the process of milking them to produce antivenom yeah. for them. Um, so I can only imagine, like, for a conservation standpoint, just the clinic, the clinicalness, the biosecurity of all of it, um, the types of enclosures that people would have. It's it's crazy. So um, in terms of kind of trying to break the gap between the conservationists and the, the private keepers, it's he shares that, that sentiment. Yeah. Cool. So I guess we'll end right here. Again, if you guys like these hybrid episodes, let us know. We'll do more of them. If there's any way that we can better improve it, let us know. We take your feedback very serious. Also... Uh, some availability for us is starting to move around and we're going to be doing some podcasts which involve us traveling maybe we could do a little more of that if there's anybody in Florida that you want us to see or if you're in Florida want to do the podcast let's see how we can link up let's make this happen this was the Reptiles with Podcast